Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I'm thrilled today because I'm picking off somebody from my hit list. Dr. Omekongo Dibinga is someone I heard speak a couple of years ago, and he has stuck in my mind ever since, and I got him on the mic with me here today. Dr. O, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm happy to be here. You know, I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm living on purpose. That's what's up. Try That's to what we can ask for. We try to practice what we preach, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Omikongo Dabinga is a professor of intercultural communication at American University in Washington, D.C. You've been there for about five years now. Is that right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Now, an interesting thing to be a professor of. <laughs> it, intercultural communication. Can you, can you give us just a little overview, maybe a brief yeah. introduction? What, what is that all about and how did you end up there? So it's a required course for all of the students in the School of International Service. And the goal of the course is to get them looking at cultural dynamics, dynamics of power between different groups, whether we're talking racial groups, gender group, religious groups, regional groups, because as a member of the School of International Service, we want students to be able to go out into a world where they understand diverse cultures. And so I got into that position because that's pretty much what I've been doing since I was a teenager, being engaged in leadership and encouraging courageous conversations. And so as I grew in my academic life, my undergrad is in international affairs. My doctorate is, is in international education policy, travel the world. It made the most, and I love young people. It just made the most sense to be in a position like that. So that's how I got there. Mm. You've, and you've got some reasons to be passionate about the things that you're teaching. Yes. Can, can you give us some of the backstory of that? Because I, I heard some of this when you spoke on the stage at a, a big influence convention that we both attended a few years ago. I want it to come from you. Why is it that you're so passionate about bridging some of these intercultural gaps and maybe increasing the level of tolerance and understanding that we have for our other fellow citizens on the planet? Talk to us about that. Well, the, the, the fact is, it, it literally is our lives are at stake. Our lives are on the line. You know, back in January 2018, I went to Rwanda and I was doing some leadership work there with young people. And I went to the, to the genocide museum there for, to commemorate the 94 genocide. And the fir- one of the first things I saw was I, I didn't realize they still have mass graves. You know, they're still finding bodies from the 94 genocide. Then you go into a room and you see skulls of people who died. Then I saw pictures of children and uh, who were macheted to death and thrown over bridges. And then I saw a room with the media. And I saw how the media was used to play up stereotypes about other groups. And it made me realize I was so, I, I was like shook because it made me realize that the genocide could happen in the United States today. Maybe not on the same level, but maybe on the same level. But when you have campaigns of misinformation and disinformation and campaigns designed to hate each other, 
it's only a matter of time before you have neighbor versus neighbor. And people talk about the Rwandan genocide as if it was this foreign thing, but no, in our civil war, our American civil war, it was neighbor versus neighbor, brother versus brother. People who loved each other were at war. I believe the same level of disaster can happen now in a country where hate crimes are up over 200% in the last three years. And that's why I do this work. Oh boy. Oh yes. Oh my Congo, this is what caught my attention mm-hmm. when you were speaking on the stage because I was aware of the Rwanda genocide, mm-hmm. uh, but only peripherally. Yeah, I mean, in my nice, comfortable home <laughs> in Utah, in the United mm-hmm. States, you know, I'm thinking, oh, how unfortunate. There are these savage tribes somewhere in Africa who are beating each other up with sticks. That's right. And that was not at all what that was all about. In fact, I think we both got to hear um, Immaculate Ilibagiza. Oh, yes. Share her story. She's the author of a book called Left to Tell. And folks, I think that is just as powerful a story as Viktor Frankl tells Mm -hmm. uh, in his Man's Search for Meaning about the Nazi uh, Holocaust that happened many years previous to that, but this is 1994 mm-hmm. that we're talking about. People who got up in the morning and kissed their wife or husband goodbye to get in their car and drive to the university where they employed. We're not talking right. savage tribes that you might picture when mm-hmm. you hear, oh, there's, there's some kind of a tribal conflict going on in Africa. That's not at all what we're talking about. Not We're at all. Talking about you and me and our families. And it struck me so profoundly when I heard Immaculate Ilbegiza talk about this. And then when you took the stage and said, hey, what are we seeing here in our own country? Mm-hmm. Could this happen here? And mm-hmm. it was the first time that I had considered, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Yeah. 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 I guess that was the intent of your speech. That was the intent. And that was two years ago. And conditions have gotten worse since I've spoken, where, you know, we've seen people look at what's happening with the the shootings that have been taking place in synagogues, in mosques, in churches, in our schools. Have you, you know, I mean, it's it's amazing that we live in a country where the number one selling item in school this past year was bulletproof backpacks. And if you notice, Uh our schools, our K to 12 schools are the only place in this country right now where we're practicing active shooter drills. Something is wrong with that. Something is wrong with that. And then you look at the level, again, people being attacked because of their race, because of their sexual orientation, that the list goes on and on. And too many of us are sitting by watching it happen, saying it never, it can never happen where I am. And then the next thing you see on the news is, I never thought it could happen here after it happens. So let's, we got to do the work to start ending this stuff now because nobody is safe. And I'm guessing that you're not saying, hey, we need to be better about screening people who come into our schools, better security, magnetometers, uh, frisk everybody who enters, better locks, better. No, you're going, you're going to a much more fundamental level with this. That's right. From what I know about you and your message. Can you tell us where this all starts? This starts, it starts in the home. It starts at home because, look, when I was a kid and my name being Ome Congo, being beaten up the way I was in school, I was middle school, elementary school. Every grade we got tormented, my older brothers and sisters, because people were coming in with hate. Right. And, 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 and hate is taught at home. Now, 
when you when you happen to be a parent and you're not engaged with your children, you may not be somebody that hates people, but then they can get turned on to other things that they see in the social media world, seems, you know, commentaries about people saying this group's coming to take our jobs and so on and so forth. And if you don't engage them, then they can also get, a, for lack of a better word, radicalized that way. But a lot of things that I am seeing with the people I'm working with is people are learning these things in the home and they are not being challenged. And once that happens, these people are going out into the world feeling emboldened because they grew up all of these years and no one ever challenged them. Remember that Hitler did not live in a vacuum. You know, Hitler didn't just come out of nowhere and everything Hitler did during the Holocaust was legal. As savage as it was, it was legal because when you run everything, you can change the laws. And when you have a bunch of naysayers, a bunch of people who are bystanders, you can do that. So again, starts in the home, then people get out, surround themselves with people who won't challenge them, put out a couple of maybe posts on Facebook, a little thing on Twitter here and there, see a couple of likes, a couple of thumbs up, a couple of smiley faces. Oh, I can do more of that. And before you know it, people have, you know, maybe essays that they're writing in school, then maybe a couple of YouTube videos. And before you know what you have a manifesto. And then here we are. So it starts young. We have to start teaching hope instead of hate at very young ages. Omi Congo, you grew up in the United States. Mm-hmm. Your, your parents, your family, your, your cultural background is in Congo. Yes, former Zaire. Yes, Congo. But you're talking about growing up in the United States of America where this kind of thing could never happen, right? Mm-hmm. And and you saw a lot of this firsthand, but we're also seeing trends. Now, you study this and you teach yes. this academically, mm-hmm. which I think it, one of the things I love about you, you got a lot of street credibility. <laughs> I love I, it. I think you can even rap, right? A little bit. <laughs> you got some skills. I'm nice with the rhymes. That's right. And... And yet you're also coming at this from a very academic, very uh, research-based perspective mm-hmm. where you, you can see the trends. And we're talking about, you can see it on social media all the time, the hate speech, the us and them mentality, when really it's right. just us. Mm-hmm. We're all citizens of the same planet. We share the same thin blue line of atmosphere that keeps us all alive and sustains us from day to day. That's right. But there's this us and them mentality, and then it it branches into politics mm-hmm. and into some of the rhetoric and the and the chatter that's going on at that level. Um, I, I see you as somebody who's kind of blowing a whistle and 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 putting out a warning voice. Hey, people. Let's take a look at what we're doing. What are we teaching our kids? That's right. And you said it starts in the home. That's right. That's right. It, it has to start in the home. And, you know, as scary as we're seeing the things that are, that are on the possible rise here, you know, in this country, it, it's happened before. When you look at Native Americans and the Trail of Tears, you look at Japanese, uh, the American internment of the Japanese in the United States. I mean, we, we've been through things. And if we continue to not learn from history, then we're going to have problems. And that's why I like to teach. Yes, I, as what, what I do in my work, I like to reach people where they are. So some people are going to receive the message in a rap song. Some people are going to receive the message in a speech. Like, at our convention. Other people are going to receive it in the classroom. And the reason why I want to work with students is because they're going to be here after us. You know, they say adults, we don't run the planet. We rent it from the 
next generation. And so I want to give them the skills needed to challenge the stuff, um, the things that they don't know about, the things that you and I take for granted, conversations about, you know, Dr. King, civil rights movement, you know, anything that we may take for granted, they, they have no knowledge of. And they're, they're coming into our schools and not just at American University, across the country, a lot of students are coming in with great, you know, book knowledge, you know, scores on test knowledge, but haven't lived a lot of life and haven't been inspired to read a lot of things outside of their curriculum. So we got to hit them with the hard stuff so that they can get out there really caring about how they can make a difference and then use those brilliant minds, those informed minds to get out there and make that change that we need. Oh, I love that message. I'm, I'm feeling fired up about this. <laughs> That's what we want. Fired up and ready to go. As we come back from this break, Omekongo, let's jump into, okay, Therefore, what? Mm-hmm. What what can we do? How can we get into it? And let's get kind of practical in the second sure. half. Is that okay with you? Sounds good with me. Folks, this is Professor Dr. Omekongo Dibinga <laughs> at Live On Purpose Radio, and we will be right back. Hey, Live On Purpose family. I know you're a fan of personal development, and that's why you're here on the podcast. Something else that I think you would really like is Live On Purpose TV. Come on over to youtube.com forward slash live on purpose TV, where you will find daily episodes that are all geared toward powering up your personal development program. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And we're back. Ome Congo de Binga at Live On Purpose Radio today. Professor Dabinga is is taking on a very courageous message. And I say courageous, oh my Congo, because some people don't want to talk about this or even acknowledge that it's happening. You not only talk about it, you talk about it with some energy. <laughs> Most definitely. You have to. You have, you have to be energetic doing this work. Absolutely. Well, you said earlier that this is about lives. This is about our, our very lives depend on understanding that we got to find some common ground mm-hmm. in these uncommon times. And we've incorporated that into the title of this episode. At, at the end of the day, we all have common ground because the ground we live on is common. That's right. That's right. It's, it's a little art. planet in a little solar, solar system in a big universe. Mm-hmm. And here we are all on the same planet sharing this together. It's about us. It's not, not about us and them. Yes. Yes. Tell me where your mind is going with this as I ask you, okay, what can we do about this? Mm-hmm. What have you learned from, from your research, from your experience on the planet, and as you've interacted with people, and particularly students? What can we do about this? Give us some practical stuff. The first thing we have to do is we have to listen. And, you know, Les Brown once said, you know, we have two ears and one mouth. We're supposed to use them in proportion. Mm. One of the challenges nowadays is so we're too busy yelling at each other that we're not taking the time to listen to the experiences of others. So some of us, we all just have to just, you know, shut up, sit down and, and, and hear people and not just and like really hear them, because a lot of people, they don't only want to be heard. They want to be felt. Right. And you can't really do that unless you take the time. It's like actually listen to people's experiences hear what they're going through 
And don't just wait to interrupt with, well, I've been there too. I've been discriminated against too. I've been called this before. No, listen to them. And then the second thing you have to do after that is you have to educate yourself. You have to take the responsibility for educating yourself. You can't leave it to the media. You can't leave it to your school books. You have to go out there and do the work, read the books, talk to the people, watch the proper documentaries for the issues that you feel like you want to take a stand on. Because at the end of the day, chances are, if you're going from a media narrative, no matter what network you watch, you're either going to be uninformed or misinformed deliberately. Once you do that, then you can start to advocate because you've heard people's stories, you've educated yourself, then you can get out there and be an advocate for change because one of the things that can really hurt the cause is getting out there with passion, but you have no knowledge. Because when you get out there with the passion, you say, this should change, this should change. But when people ask you how, you have no historical basis to kind of build an argument off of and you end up looking like a fool. Because And then no one takes you seriously because in this society, you only get one shot. And then the last mm-hmm. step is you just got to decide. You got to decide every single day that you have the ability to make change because when you decide not to decide, guess what? That's a decision. And you're deciding to be complacent and your silence is compliance in the face of people being lynched, in the face, in the face of kids being shot, in the face of you know kids at, at borders, in face of the hatred and racism that, and anti-Semitism that's going on. So look, I can make that very simple. Listen, educate, advocate, decide. That's a little acronym. I love acronyms. You know, my book is called Grow Towards Your Greatness, Give, Release, Overcome, and Win. I just spelled out lead. L-E-A-D, L-E-A-D. We need every one of y'all to take the lead. And if you're strong in one of those areas, maybe three of those areas, get stronger in the fourth one. And only you can decide which one it is because we need you at full strength to be able to get out there and do that. Listen, educate, advocate, decide. Lead. That's right. I'm writing this down, Omikongo. All right. (laughs) Listen, educate, advocate, decide. And as I listen to you, I know, I know where you're coming from, okay? And I've heard your full keynote version of, of how important it is to find this common ground in these uncommon times. And when you say, you know, people are being lynched, children are being shot, we, we opened up with an acknowledgement of what happened in Rwanda not mm-hmm. that long ago. Mm-hmm. And you'd think we would have learned enough from Nazi Germany to, to understand that we can't let that ever, ever happen again That's on right. the face of our planet that we all call home. Mm-hmm. But it happened. That's right. In Rwanda. And it happens on a smaller scale in schools in the United States. Right? I mean, this is actually happening. We are not exaggerating the importance That's of right. what we're talking about here. That's right. And you acknowledged also, Omikongo, uh, about the Rwanda tragedy, mm-hmm. that it started with misinformation and, and uh, wait, what was the other word you used? Deliberate campaigns of misinformation. De- and it's deliberately put out there by That's people right. who are trying to propagate their own agenda or some mm-hmm. kind of hate platform. That's right. That's right. Uh, and and so we get misinformed or uninformed. That was the other part. Either you're yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right, or misinformed deliberately. But either way, you're responsible for the information you allow to come into your skull. That's right. 
Absolutely. And it's, it's, you know, and even outside of Rwanda, go back and look at the, the World War II cartoons, right? Uh, the way that, you know, Japanese were made to look, you know, I've watched some of like the Bugs Bunny cartoons and, and all of those. And it, it's partially because of the media, you know, that before, you know, World War II, we, we, we hated the Germans and the, and the Japanese. And then after World War II, now we're allies, right? A, a lot of it had to do with media campaigns of how people were made to look. And it starts off with little cartoons. If you look at some of the older images that were put out about our Jewish brothers and sisters in terms of, you know, the, the long nose and the glasses and the big, you know, those types of things made people snicker. But then it, it became more things in education, then in policy. Then it was okay to start to look at them in a dehumanized manner because when you can look at people and talk about them as, you know, scum of the earth or roaches or people needing to be, you know, rats or, or whatever, all these types of language that you use, what's the logical thing to do is to extinct, extinguish them, you know? And yeah. so it's, that's what I mean when it starts at home. What are you showing your children at home? With, with my children, you know, I, you know, I have a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 4-year-old. And at every level, I'm engaged with them in the shows that they watch. Just had a conversation with my oldest daughter about a song she, had, she was playing. And I'm like, but do you understand what the song is saying? And she was like, but it has, you know, has a nice beat. And I said, yeah, a lot of us get hypnotized by the beat. Or watching a TV show, we get hypnotized by the good looks of our favorite actor or whatever. But we don't, we don't and so she's, you know, she understands that. But a lot of us don't do that work because we are intellectually lazy on, on many levels. But in that laziness is where the hate can start to grow because you don't realize that at every level, every single day, you're being educated. And someday it's going to come out. And what you've been taught is always going to show to the surface. I was just thinking as you were sharing that about what would happen if we were able to take all of the they, them, and replace it with us and we. Yes. Let's exterminate us. Mm. See, that doesn't make any sense to anybody. That's as right. long as we can make them them. That's right. You know, we can dehumanize them or we can... See, there it is again. Them, we can dehumanize them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. us and them. What if it's just us? That's right. You never want to exterminate us. That's right. And that, and, and the word onus, you know, is, is for, is, is, it literally means on us. You know, the, the burden is on us to really make, make this change. And if, if you look at it with racism, for example, uh, Lyndon, B, Lyndon B. Johnson said this while he was president. He said, I realized at a very young age that if you can convince the poorest white man that he's better than the best colored man, he won't realize you're picking his pocket. Give him someone to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. And that is the case with so many issues we're seeing, whether we're talking religious hate, racial, gender, uh, sexual orientation. What people do is they give you somebody to look down on, someone to blame for your circumstance or the circumstance of your community. And then it's easier to target them because you have this false sense in your head that if you get rid of them, your problems are going to stop. But your problems will never stop until you actually work on you. Because I can guarantee you, if you got rid of any group, if you haven't done the work yourself to get your mind right, to get your heart right, to get hate out of your heart, you're never going to reach the successes that you want in your life in any profession. That's why it always starts with you. That's the only place we can have an impact. That's right. That's right. And, and as you spread this message, and as I hear this message, I'm going to own this. Omicongo, because I'm asking myself, 
where and how am I still practicing hate? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to be that guy. Honestly, yeah. I don't want to, I, I don't want to be the one who stands out and says, Oh, I'm the problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, but honestly, what if I am? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've got to find it in my own heart and mind. Where am I off target here? Yes, yes, yes. You can't, you can't. And there's lots of ways you can do that. And one of the simplest ways to do that is in the simple conversations you have every day with people. Ask yourself this one question. If X person was around, would I be laughing at this joke that my friend just made? If Y person was around, would my friend even be making that joke? Right. Because see, a lot of times, like I said, talking about Hitler not growing up in a vacuum, a lot of times, again, we have to just start in the little spaces, letting people know that certain things we used to tolerate, certain jokes we used to tolerate were, are not acceptable anymore. You know, when, when I was younger, I used to talk, I used to be a part of, you know, uh, comments about people that were homophobic and disrespectful towards our gay brothers and sisters. But as Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. And when I got out into the world, actually met people who were, who were gay and got to humanize them. You know, I got this, when I came back to my communities, I got to speak up about it and against it. And some people who I would, you know, had problems with it, but the time is right to, oh, to do right. As Dr. King said, it's always right to do right. And yeah, you might lose some friends, but you might gain a community, a larger community. And that's what matters when we talk about being an upstander, not a bystander. And we are a community. We are a global community now. That's right. That's right. Let's get used to that. The dividing lines are not helpful. Mm -hmm. The -hmm. things that unify us and make us all part of the same great us, the same great we, that is so much more powerful. And that's absolutely what is necessary, I think, to to save our own lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our own lives. That's literally what's on the line. There you did it again, Omi Congo. You inspired me again. Oh, man, I appreciate you. Thank you for the good work that you're doing. How can people connect to you, to to your work, your message? Uh, Where would you send them? Uh, best way they can reach out is go to my website, upstanderinternational.com. Again, upstanderinternational.com. Omekongo.com will take you right there. So if you have my name, that works too. Um, I primarily use social media in terms of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that's just at Omekongo. You can reach me there, O-M-E-K-O-N-G-O. And, you know, on the podcast, I have the Upstander podcast, and you can tune in there as well. Nice. Thank you for gracing our podcast today, Live On Purpose Radio. Uh, I say our podcast because this belongs to everybody who is part of this community. I appreciate it. It was an honor to be here and I hope we get to do it again. You're doing some good work, my friend. Thank you. Keep up the good work. And folks, you've heard it. Hopefully you've felt something as you've listened to, to this conversation between me and Ome Congo. You are part of the conversation as well. And it starts with you. It's time for each of us now to go live on purpose. Mm-hmm.